more Bibles than I trust that you do, if you can open with me to Revelation 22. Revelation 22, so the last book, the last chapter in the Bible. And welcome to week 17 of our Names of God series. And we are three weeks into focusing on names that reflect the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And this morning we come to a name which is really a descriptor of Jesus. Jesus as the bright morning star. It's the bright morning star. And there are almost 70 references to stars in the Bible. In Job 38, 7, the morning stars, which is the angelic beings, sang at the dawn of creation. In Jeremiah 31, God says in the beginning, God put the stars in their places. And in Psalm 147, God breathed the stars out and called them all by name. Every single one of them. And yet around Christmas time, we are often surrounded by symbols and signs that celebrate the season. So everywhere you go, you see Christmas trees, you see snowflakes, you see poinsettias, you see lights, wrap gifts, Santa claws, Santa hats. And every once in a while, you might even see a manger scene. It's amazing how that works. But each symbol has a story. For example, take the poinsettia. Now, some of you are sitting here going, poinsettia? I know we, we take the eye out in the south, but really it is poinsettia. But did you know that poinsettias were used by the Aztecs to make purple dye for their clothes and cosmetics? They used the milky white sap to make medicine to treat fevers. And today we call that milky white sap latex. In Mexico, the poinsettia, poinsettia is called the flower of the holy night. And in 1825, U.S. ambassador to Mexico, Joel, Joel Poinsett, introduced poinsettias to the U.S. And within a century, they became the symbol for Christmas because of their star-shaped pattern and because of the red, which many people said represented the blood that Jesus shed for our sins. <laughs> and just as poinsettias capture our attention with their beauty, there's another symbol that we see during this season. Many have it on top of their Christmas trees at home, and that is the star. And a star we know is very, very important to the Christmas story, guiding the wise men to Jesus, so that every Christmas we celebrate and reflect upon the stars appearing. But the star said that a king had been born. And let me just say this, stars tell us stories. And not astrological stories, I'm not talking about your horoscope kind of stories, I mean stars tell us real stories true stories given to us by our creator there are stories in the stars from creation to job to abraham to balaam all the way to the bethlehem star and even our lives as well yet as a star pointed to a person that first christmas night and first christmas day the the bible also tells us that the the star is a person. In fact, we're going to hear Jesus this morning say, I am the bright morning star. Now, what we know is that sailors have navigated by stars for thousands upon thousands of years because the stars provide the most reliable reference point. And just as these sailors navigate by stars, we also, today we have a point of reference that we are able to navigate every part of our lives. And that point of reference is Jesus, our bright morning star. In fact, we navigate, we are able to navigate every day of our lives by, get this, looking to him. 
by fixing our eyes on him is what scripture tells us. But wait, there's more. Always like saying that. In astronomy, the term morning star is most commonly used as a reference, get this, to the planet Venus as it rises in the east. So the fact that Venus is technically a planet inside our solar system, of course, reflecting the sun and not a star which generates its own light is no problem because in the ancient world, a star was simply a point of light in the sky. So in the ancient world, any point of light in the sky, whether it be a star or a planet, was known as a star. So in that sense, all planets are stars, but of course not all stars are planets. But here's the point. Before the dawn, so before the sun rises, first there is the rising of what is called the morning star. So before the sun rises, Venus rises. And it, it heralds a new day. Outside of the sun and the moon, Venus is the brightest object in the night sky. And Venus is, is very unique, something of an oddball planet. Let me just give you a few facts here. Venus is not the closest planet to the sun, but it is the hottest planet in our solar system. Another oddity is that all the planets in the solar system rotate in such a way that the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, except for Venus. It rotates in such a way that the sun rises in the west and sets in the east. And just as Venus is unique, let me say this. Jesus, our bright morning star, is unique. He's not merely a point of reference in a dark time. He is the point of reference. He is our only point of reference. He is the light shining in the midst of darkness. He is the bright morning star, and he brings a promise just like the the morning star brings a promise of a new day. Jesus brings the promise to us that a new day is coming. I think of the words of Bob Goodsword, who says this, The morning star often appears between 2 and 3 at night when the darkness is complete and the faintest sign of morning is not yet visible, so small that it threatens to vanish. And then he says this, Yet when you see the morning star, you know that the night has been defeated. For the morning star pulls the morning in behind it, just as certainly as Jesus pulls the kingdom in behind him. What a beautiful picture that is. As the morning star shows us that morning is coming, so Jesus shows us that there is something new, something better that is coming. We have a reference point in our lives, the bright morning star, and we navigate our lives by looking to him, by lining our lives up to him. So let's dive in this morning and listen, listen to the words of Jesus as he declares himself to be the bright morning star. I'm going to ask you if you're able to stand. You won't be standing for long because we're just reading one verse this morning. Revelation 22, verse 16. And I love my Bible because this version of my Bible has the words of Jesus written in red. So these words are red. Jesus is saying this. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, and Jesus, we thank you that you are still the bright morning star. You are shining, and you are letting us know that you have come, and yet you are coming again. And Lord, as we live in between those two comings, help us to live with our eyes fixed upon you, that you would be our source of reference, our reference point in the midst of this dark world. 
that we would understand, God, that there is not a moment in our lives that we don't need you. There is not a moment in our lives that we can do anything of eternal value apart from you. For Jesus, you even said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So just speak to us, O bright morning star today. Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, and you may be seated. So most of us in this room are aware that last words are often important words. Last words are intended to be lasting words, words that make an impression, words that stay with whether it be the one who hears them or even the one who reads them. And if you look at Revelation 22, if you have the words in red, what is the last statement that Jesus made in the Bible? Surely I am coming soon. In verse 20, I am coming soon. So this is whole reference point, even the bright morning star, is to the fact that Jesus is coming again. But the second to last statement that Jesus makes is an I am statement. Remember, we talked about those in the Gospel of John. And here Jesus again is saying, I am. And he says, I am the bright morning star. Did you know that there is such a thing that's called light therapy? Light therapy is a treatment of choice for what's a depressive condition called seasonal affective disorder, commonly known as SAD. I know that sounds kind of weird, but anyone who lives in a climate that gets a lot of winter and little sunlight, you begin to understand this. In fact, when we were partnering in Toronto, we met many missionaries from the States and their families, and many of them, whether it be the missionary, the the husband, whether it be the wife or the kids, there probably was not a home that someone wasn't suffering from this condition because they were living in a place where they were not getting the sunlight that they used to, used to get. And many of us, when we think about this, maybe you would even be prone to visit a restaurant like one that's in Helsinki, Finland, that from October to March serves bright light with breakfast. Meaning every morning the Cafe Ingle places light boxes throughout the restaurant so that along with your Danish and your coffee, you can enjoy as much light as you want or need. And the obvious statement here is this. Our bodies are wired for light. Our bodies are wired for light, but not just our bodies, our souls are wired for light. Our souls are wired. Really, our souls long for him whether we know it or not. Our souls long for Jesus, whether we know it or not. And just think about this one that our souls long for. We see different identities of him in the last chapter of Revelation. Just follow with me here. In verse 7 and verse 12, he is the one who is coming quickly. And he brings his reward with him. In verse 6, he is called the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets. In verse 13, he is the Alpha, the Omega, the first, the last, the beginning, and the end, we'll be looking at this in two weeks from today. And then in verse 16, he is the root of David and the bright morning star. Can you think of anything more unlike than a root and a star? Now, maybe you can. Let me just give you a few. In Scripture, Jesus is the lion and he's the lamb. He is the lamb and he's the shepherd. He's the shepherd and he's the warrior. He's the warrior and yet the priest. He's a priest and yet the sacrifice. He's the sacrifice and yet the victor. 
He's the victor and yet the servant. He's the servant and yet the king. He's the king and yet he is the condemned one. He is the condemned one and yet he is the judge of all. And he is the judge of all and yet he is our advocate. Think of all of those things. And then he is a lowly root and he is a brilliant star. Follow with me. Think about this contrast between those two metaphors, a root and a star. The root is near, the star is far. The root is unseen, underground, the star is seen. The root is earthly, the star is heavenly. The root is local, the star is distant, even universal. The root is small, the star is huge. And Jesus, God incarnate, is Lord of the universe who came as a baby, as the root, the offspring of David. So he came as a king, and yet he also is the bright morning star. Meaning the first thing that should draw our attention every morning and even at night is him. So what I want to do this morning, I'm going to hopefully quickly lay three bright shining truths before you. And these truths are really simple, straight from here. But I pray that they would do what God's word does and speak to us the way that we need to hear this morning. Number one, Jesus is the bright star. Jesus is the bright star. That word bright means bright, shining, splendid, magnificent, radiant. What a description of Jesus. I think of the words of C.S. Lewis who said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not just because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. I believe the sun is risen because I'm able to see everything else. Let me say it this way. By Jesus, we see everything else. By Jesus, we see, we truly see. And just hear the words of Jesus in John 8, another I am statement. It's on the screen, the bottom verse. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. One of John's favorite descriptions of Jesus is that he is light. John describes him this way some 22 times. But yet here is Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. And what he is saying is this, there's no other light but me. There's no other light. Jesus is saying it's either me or darkness. There's no alternative. There is no other light source. It is either me or you get nothing. And the Bible says that outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ, we are living in what is called the domain of darkness. So outside of Jesus, we live in the domain of darkness. Look at that first verse. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So what happens when light comes on? Darkness flees. And what Scripture tells us is those who love darkness, when the light came into the life, they fled from darkness. Instead of running to darkness to be exposed and to have or wanting to light, excuse me, to be exposed and have his light become a light in us, they fled from him. And how many still flee from the light of who he is. The message of Christmas is that light entered into our darkness in order to dispel our darkness. And when we come to Jesus by faith in him, we are taken and transferred out of the domain of darkness and we are transferred into the kingdom of light. Listen, if you are not a believer in this room or you're watching online today, the Bible says that you are walking in darkness. You're walking in darkness. You can see some things, but you don't see what's ultimate. 
you don't see what your ultimate good is. It's like walking in a familiar area. You might walk in a familiar area, but if you have zero light, you are in danger. Now, the older I get, the more that becomes a reality in my life of having to get up every night in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. And, of course, I have it in my mind. This is the way my mind works. If I don't want to fall, have something bad happen, I get up and I take five steps to the front, and then I, and I'm doing all this while my eyes are closed and very disoriented, then I turn to the right and I take six steps to the, the, the right, and then I, again, I'm taking a few more, turn to the left, take six more steps and in the bathroom and got it from there, come on the way back, but there's nothing worse than in those moments where you think you have it, and then all of a sudden your toe hits something it's not supposed to, and you're thinking in your mind, I just lost my toe. Like my toe is gone. I don't know where it is. It's got to be somewhere in the room. But the last thing I want to do is wake Misty up and say, can you please help me find my toe? Because something else might go wrong in that moment. But there's nothing worse than that feeling. And let me just say this. No matter how familiar you might be in your lostness, you're still lost. No matter how familiar you might be and for the child of God in this room, because we live in a world of sin, we have to, in this world, have to experience many dark days. How many of you have ever experienced a dark day in your life? How many of you have experienced a dark day in the last month? We, we do. And in those dark days, do you know what we need the most? In those dark days, we need a bright light. We need a light that will never stop shining. And for the believer in Jesus he never leads us into darkness. He always leads into marvelous, brilliant, shining light. Because that is who he is. Oh, that we would understand Jesus is the bright star. He is the light of the world. Has he shone on you? He's shown on you. If you responded rightly to him. But then number two, Jesus is the morning star. He is the morning star. And the word morning here. Now, this is going to be a stretch here. The word morning means morning. It means daybreak. It means at dawn. And it's only used in the resurrection of Jesus. And it's only used in 2 Peter 1, Revelation 2, and Revelation 22 to speak of Jesus as the morning star. But when we think of 2 Peter 1, you see on the screen, Peter is talking at the end of 2 Peter 1 about the amazing revelation of Scripture. And it's not coming from ourselves Man didn't make this up. He's saying it's a revelation. But then he says this, until the, the day dawns, until a new day comes and the morning star rises in your hearts. So Peter's point is that Jesus, he's coming again. And when he comes again, he will, it'll rise up in our hearts and we will experience what the Old Testament prophets called the last days. The last days of Jesus coming. And it's a, the last amazing, dramatic point in history. But on a, on a long, dark night, the appearance of the morning star means daybreak is coming. The sun is coming. And yet in Jesus' long, dark suffering upon this earth, he, we see that he, not, he didn't just come and say, I'm, I'm here. He came and said, coming again. I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you will be also. Think about this. There is not a time in history since the creation of the solar system that the morning star has not preceded the sun. 
Not a, not a moment where the morning star has not preceded the sun. And the same is for Jesus. He precedes everything. And he is necessary. He's necessary for every part of our lives. So the new day is coming. Please hear this because this often, it's, it's amazing how this truth on a saved audience falls so flat. It falls so flat. But let me just tell you this. According to the word of God, your greatest benefit is not that God saves you and gives you everything you want here. Your greatest benefit is God saves you and he has gone to prepare a place for you through his crucifixion. And that one day we will be with him forever, ever, ever. No more sickness, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more people leaving us. We will be with him and with those who put their faith in him forever. Amen. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says there is coming a reward for those who long for his appearing. There is coming a reward for those who actually long for his appearing. But here's what we do in our little humanistic mind. And I did it as well when I was a teenager. Hear messages of, of the second coming of Christ. And I'm like, well, I've got other things I want to do before that happens. I want other things I want to get to. Other things I want to experience before that happens. And if we knew what awaited us. If we knew what awaited us. If we knew. Like if we, if God would just give us a glimpse, guess what we would all pray? Come, Lord Jesus. If God would just give us a glimpse of what's waiting for us, our only prayer would be, come, Lord Jesus. But think about this. How do we know? How do we know that we can trust the words concerning that Jesus will come again? How can we know that we can trust the morning star? And let me just say this. We can trust the promise of the second coming because of the fulfillment of his first coming. Meaning, there are two day springs in this world. One has already happened. Jesus has already come the first time to die for our sins. The other is Jesus said, I will come again. And the first coming accomplished means that his second coming is certain. Let me say it again. His first coming accomplished means that his second coming is certain. Think about this. Think about Matthew 2. You see on the screen where the Magi came to Bethlehem. They came wanting a star, following a star. And they came and they say, we saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. Well, how did they know about a star? How did they know what that star meant? They knew because we're going to get here in just a second. In Numbers 24, there was a prophet who said a star is coming and that star will bring about a king. A star will rise, and with that rising, a king will rise with it. So they were coming based on the prophecies of what the word of God said. And there's two things, that I, two things here that I want to unpack. First is the reality of, of Jesus fulfilling prophecy. Did you know that Jesus fulfilled, most scholars believe, anywhere between 300 and 350 prophecies in the Old Testament that Jesus fulfilled in his first coming. That he fulfilled 300, 350 prophecies in his first coming coming just a handful of prophecies that he fulfilled he would be born in bethlehem he'd be preceded by a messenger john the baptist he would enter into jerusalem riding on a donkey he would be betrayed by a friend for 30 pieces of silver he would be silent before his accusers he would die in the man of the romans used for criminals a crucifixion because the bible says his hands and his feet would be pierced and he would be preceded by a star Several, several years ago, meaning about the time that I was born, there's a man by the name of Peter Stoner who wrote a book named Science Speaks where he calculated 
the chance of any man fulfilling just 10 of the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. And he said that the likelihood of just one man fulfilling just 10 of those prophecies is 10 to the 17th power. In case you don't know what that means, think of number one and 17 zeros behind it. That should blow your mind here, meaning what happened with Jesus didn't happen by chance. It's not just coincidence here. But to help us kind of comprehend the staggering odds, Stoner tells this story. He said, imagine that you fill the whole state of Texas with that many 10 to the 17th power silver dollars. It would fill the whole state of Texas more than two feet deep. And imagine you were to take just one of those silver dollars and you were to mark something on it. And then you would stir it all up. Then you would get one volunteer and you would say to that volunteer, here's your job. We're going to put a blindfold on you and we're going to let you wander throughout Texas. And your only job, your life, and the life of the universe depends on this, that you have to reach down and you have to pick up that one marked silver dollar. And he says, that is the picture of just one person fulfilling ten of these prophecies. And then he upped the ante by saying this, the odds of any man fulfilling just 48 of these 300 plus prophecies jumped to 10 to the 157th power. It's a whole lot of zeros here, but here's what he concluded, and don't miss his conclusion. Any man who rejects Jesus as the Son of God is rejecting a fact, proved perhaps more absolutely than any other fact in the world. Think about that. Rejecting Jesus is rejecting a fact proven more absolutely than any other fact, or we know it's a fact, it's proven because it's truth, than all the world. And then think about this Christmas star that the Magi followed. Some believe that this Christmas star was a supernova, an exploding star, which fits many of our Christmas cars that we see. Some say this uh, star was a comet that they follow. Others say this was a conjunction of planets that came together that um, they noticed and, and followed. And listen, there's a lot of speculation here, and I want to be very, very careful about opening my mouth when the Word of God doesn't speak and doesn't tell us exactly. But I, I believe that this star was a supernatural light given to us by God. Why? Because it says, the Magi said, we have seen his star. It belongs to him. It's his star. Now, granted, all of them belong to him. But it shouldn't surprise us that God would even step outside of nature to accomplish this. In fact, you know what God did at the virgin birth? He stepped outside of the laws of nature to accomplish his purpose. That shouldn't surprise us at all. Ultimately, there are two stars in the story of Jesus. The star in his first coming that presented that a king had come, yet that king came not to sit on the throne, but that king came to lay his life down for us. And yet there's a second star, the star, the, the bright morning star that shows us that he will come again. Are we waiting for his return? Are we longing for his return? Are you ready for his return? Which leads us to number three, Jesus is the eternal star. And this is when it gets really good, because when I say eternal star, I'm not just speaking about Jesus being from the beginning that we talked about two weeks ago in John 1. What I'm saying is this, as the eternal star, Jesus has been forever from the very beginning of anything. Jesus has been the star of all of God's thoughts concerning us. And maybe you don't 
don't get that, but hear, hear this. All of recorded history, even unrecorded history, every prophecy has always only been about Jesus. It's always only been about him. He is the center of it all. He has been the star of the show from the beginning. And unfortunately, he doesn't have room for you to, to shine alongside of him. But praise God, he shines on us. And he shines through us. But let me say this. Once upon a time, and I hate saying that because what I'm about to say is an event that happened in time. But some 3,500 years ago plus, God appeared to this man called Abram. And God called him out of the only home he had ever known. God just said, follow me. And God said, I'm going to make you a great nation. You're going to be a blessing to all nations. The problem was at that point, Abram was 75 years old. His wife was 65 years old. And they had zero children. So how was this going to work? As time went on, Abram grew frustrated. During one particularly long, dark, doubting moment in his life, Abram came to God and said, God, what's going on? What's up? You promised me offspring. I have none. I have none. And God takes Abram outside. And look on the screen, Genesis 15, 5, it says, He, God, brought him, Abram, outside and said, Look toward the heavens. Number the stars. Count the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. So God used stars to bring faith into Abram. God used the stars to bring faith into him. So the ultimate promise is that Abraham's descendants would be a blessing to all the nations. Now, what we know from history, Israel failed in every way whatsoever to be a blessing to the nations. So what Israel, the nation, couldn't do, Jesus did. Abraham couldn't do it. Israel couldn't do it. But Jesus did it. Then around 400 years after this encounter, there was a message that was delivered through a double-minded prophet for hire named Balaam. And I say double-minded prophet for hire. There was this man named Balaam. That the king of Moab came and said, would you please, as a prophet, would you please curse God's people? And Balaam was like, how much are we talking? And of course, Balaam was trying to be somewhat spiritual. He said, well, I can only say what God will allow me to say. He didn't know how true that was. And he took the money, and yet he began to open his mouth to curse Israel, and only blessings came out. And the king of Moab was like, what are you doing? I paid you to curse them, and you keep blessing them. And, of course, Balaam's like, well, I told you. Only bless, I can only say what God has said. Little did he know, he was like, he probably was just as shocked as the king of Moab was. But in one of these prophecies, in Numbers 24, 17, listen to what he says. A star shall come out of Jacob, a scepter shall rise out of Israel. So Balaam in this prophecy puts together a star and a king. A star and a king. This prophecy found a beginning fulfillment 1,500 years later when the Magi came looking for the king whose star had appeared. So think about this. You have stars, abundant stars. You have a star, more stars. And please understand this. If, if you don't hear anything else I say, hear this. Stars don't have a heart for you. Stars don't love you. But the creator of the stars has a heart for you. The creator of the stars loves you. 
And God created these stars to tell the story of Jesus. It all points to him. The Bible's main character, the hero, is Jesus. Even though he's not on every page, all 66 books are about him. They point to him. In fact, just after the resurrection, Jesus appeared to these disciples who were on the road to Emmaus. And Jesus, they were confused. And Jesus, beginning at Moses, through all the prophets, showed them that it was always all, always only about him. He's saying, Moses pointed to me. The prophets pointed to me. Everything is about me, is what he was saying. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something now that's a little weird. I'm going to ask you to take your Bible, save Revelation 22, but I want you to turn to your table of contents. Now, normally, we only do this when I say we're going to be in Obadiah or you know, Zechariah, and you're like, I don't have no idea where those are. But this is something different, something I found. And it, in fact, my Bible that I have at home has the words I'm about to share with you have, it, have them written in the table of contents. In his book, Gospel Form, Jeff Metter summarizes the central place of Jesus in Scripture. Just follow with me here. From Genesis to Deuteronomy is the foundation for Jesus. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the foundation for Jesus. From Joshua all the way to Esther is the preparation for Jesus beginning with a land that they would go into. From Job all the way to the Song of Solomon is the longing for Jesus. Definitely we see that all throughout the Psalms, a longing for him. Then Isaiah all the way to Malachi, the prophets, is the expectation of Jesus. We're expecting him. He's coming. Then from Matthew to John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, we have the life and the ministry of Jesus. Then in the book of Acts, it is the continued work and the spreading of the fame of Jesus and his work through his church. Then the letter to the Romans all the way to the letter of Jude is about living for Jesus. We live for him. And then Revelation is about the return the reign, the rule of Jesus. Here's another summary. Don't close your table of contents too soon. The Old, the Old Testament says the Messiah is coming. From Genesis all the way to Malachi, he's coming. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John say the Messiah is here. He has come. The book of Acts is that the Messiah is proclaimed. His name is proclaimed throughout the nations. The epistles, all these letters, are the Messiah explained why he came, what it means to the church. And then Revelation says the Messiah is coming again. He's coming again. And I want to end this way today. Have you been led like the Magi to the one who is the bright morning star? Have you been led to see his worth, to see his beauty? To see who he is. Has the light of the world shined upon your life and upon your heart, causing the darkness to flee? Have you really, sincerely, been led to the worship of him? The Magi came and they worshiped him, worshiping him in spirit and in truth. 
Or as Peter writes, has the morning star risen in your hearts? Are you living transformed by the first coming of Jesus, what he did to save you? And are you longing for his return? Are you longing for him? I guess the last two questions are this. Do you know him? And if you don't, do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want to know this one who is the light of the world? Do you want to know this one who is the bright morning star? Call on the name of the Lord. Call on Jesus and you will be saved. Confess that you have sinned against him. That you are deserving of his wrath. And yet you are trusting and believing what Jesus did for you. That you can never do for yourself. Ask him to save you now and he will. But I want to end this way. I'm going to ask you all to turn back to Revelation 22. And we're going to have the verses on the screen as well. I'm going to read just verse 16 through verse 21. And this is kind of our closing today. And just read. Just listen. But these last, the last words in the Bible are here. In verse 16, Jesus speaks, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. These are for the benefit of us. I am the root, the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Wherever you are today, the message of this book is come. Come to Jesus. Come to him. And then John writes in verse 18, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. If anyone takes away from the words of this book a prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life. And the holy city, which are described in this book. And listen to how this ends. He who testifies to these things says again, words of red, surely I am coming soon. And John writes, amen, come Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to call the band forward. And let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we have seen today, Jesus, you are the morning star, the one who came to this earth with accompanied by a star, and you are, as the morning star, coming again. And in coming again, you will give hope like we have never experienced. Lord, you will give us a place where there is no more sickness, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more funerals, no more anyone turning their back on us and abandoning us or no more any of that and we will be in your presence forever father i pray today for any that don't know you jesus the light of the world you the morning star and the hope that you give that today would be a day of salvation also pray lord it would be a day that other believers in this room would realize look in their lives and realize that there might be a moment where unlike the Magi, they have stopped following you. They stopped seeking after you. They stopped wanting you. Lord, I just pray that if that is the case in any of this room or watching online, that you would reawaken that desire in us, God, to fix our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. 
that we follow you. We would follow you, Jesus. Finish this time. In Jesus' name.